0: Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video and some audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of authors. i got to... Ch- Great conversation with children's book author Elizabeth Rose Stanton, author and illustrator. She wrote Bub and Henny and one other. I can't remember. Anyway, it's a great conversation. She published her first book when she was 60. Can you believe it? Yes. And now she's got this great career as a children's book author. So never too late, people. Check it out over at AuthorMagazine.org. That's where you can also find my blog. You know I write a blog three times a week for Author Magazine. Shows up there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can check it out there i write about the lies we lead the books we write spirituality creativity it's all in there check it out authormagazine.org. authormagazine.org and we're funded by the wonderful pacific northwest writers association supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 you can find author or excuse me you can learn about the pnwa as well as their awesome yearly writers conference at pnwa.org speaking uh they do in addition to having great monthly meetings where speakers come and talk about the business of writing and the craft of writing, uh, which if you can attend, great. If you live in the Northwest, if you can't, that's okay too. They do it. They broadcast it virtually over the internet, so uh, you can listen if you're in Dublin. It doesn't matter. So, uh, but they also give classes uh, at their um, at their little home there in Issaquah, Washington. And I will be teaching a five-week class in the art of the personal essay, which is really my favorite form these days, the personal essay. So I'll be teaching a five-week course in that starting on Saturday, uh, May 26th. We'll be running five weeks every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 12. You can sign up for that. I don't think I have it on my website yet, but it's definitely on the PNWA's website, pnwa.org. Check it out. Uh, today's guest actually – Deborah Dean, lovely woman, and I had her. Uh, she was a guest of mine on Author. There's a video interview with me talking to Deborah when she released her uh, novel, *The Mirrored World*. Uh, but she's back with a different kind of book. Uh, Deborah is well. She's a best-selling author of four critically acclaimed books that have been published in 21. 21- languages yes indeed her debut novel the madonna's of leningrad was a new york times editor's choice a number one book sense pick book sense pick a book list top 10 novel and an american library association Association, notable book of the year but today we're going to be talking about a lot of things but we're going to be talking about her newest book a bit of a departure hidden tapestry jan yours his two wives and the war that made them one deborah welcome to the show
1: thank you bill
0: how you doing? Two week I'm old good, book I'm good. I'm good. I'm really shelf. happy to
1: be talking with you again.
0: Yeah, that was a fun conversation about the. I remember that was a good was a good conversation. We talked, yeah yeah talked about a lot of stuff. It's an interesting and and to some degree I have to tell you. So uh, I didn't read the Madonnas of Leningrad, but I read the Mirrors World Mirrored World, which also took place in Russia, and was uh-huh. historical and. Um, it was a fictionalized, it was historical fiction. I, would you describe it that way, sort of? It's histor- yes, it's fiction, absolutely. I, I, I used to
1: be, the first time that somebody called the Madonnas of Leningrad historical fiction, I got sort of up in arms about that because <laughs> yeah. my ideas about historical fiction were like bodice rippers. And right. I have since embraced that term. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm proud to be a historical fiction writer. You're
0: proud, are you? Yes, And so absolutely. you've made a shift in that. Uh, how long did that take? Did you start reading other people like Elizabeth George or and say you oh, know this is was it Martin no Margaret was it Mar- Margaret George that's who I was thinking of love Margaret George but, she's a great historical.
1: Well, author. I you know you start I, reading I others? just I hadn't thought about what I did as historical fiction. It was just like I'm writing a book about something I'm interested in and um it's not primarily it it's not um. I didn't choose it because it was historical. I chose the the subject matters because the the stories gripped me. But yeah. I've but, come to appreciate historical fiction is hard work. You know, you have to do oh, the history Jesus. part and the fiction part.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I it's a I, actually I wrote I one. My one novel that got published was historical in nature, and I it was really me paddling upstream a little bit because I really wanted to tell the story, but. Uh, I'm not that interested in history, and so you know I really, you know, did the work, but I'm not uh-huh. a passionate researcher, and you really have to be, don't you, if you want to. You do,
1: and I have to say, I love researching, yeah. and um, yeah. the the trick is that you don't let the research get in the way of the story, and that's a hard
0: balance to find. Well, but you that's do what have to I hear from
1: research that you can make it real, you know.
0: Yeah, well, yes, that's the key is the details. You want to be able uh-huh. to, because if I write a book set in, you know, Seattle, I, where I live, it, the details aren't a problem, obviously. But you set it in, you know, 1940s Denmark, uh, it might be a problem. And so, uh, you, but, you, but you know, for good writing, the, the detail is where the power is. You have to right. fill it with detail. Right, you and you know it's the them.
1: old adage in creative writing: write what you know. It, it, the reason teachers say that is it's easier. That's right. Uh, unfortunately for me, I just keep getting attracted to what I don't know, and and so well, when I wrote Madonna's of Leningrad, I didn't know anything about what I was writing about, and I just had to go find but, out.
0: But so he, I would I want to amend that little adage that write what you know thing. Uh, I, I don't know who first. I always think of it in association with Ernest Hemingway because he would really just like go fishing, write about fishing, go to the bull
1: rings, write about the <laughs> I have the no idea bull. where it came from.
0: But, but I think there's some truth to it. But I think that what you really know is what you're interested in. It's not mm-hmm. the subject matter. It's not write about the thing you do, although that's helpful. But I think the thing you know, because if you love science fiction, well, you'd have never flown in space probably. But you know right. you're interested in it. Does that make sense? I right. think that's really what. Because what do you know better than what? I mean, what do you know personally? than I know I'm interested in this thing. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, but I know I, I when I lay my attention on this thing, it's effortless. Does that make sense? Right. Oh
1: yeah. And I mean, for me, that's my test of whether or not I'm going to actually commit to writing a book. Is I it has to haunt me. And it has to if haunt the story you. haunts me, then yeah. And because I'm, I'm a slow rider, so if I make the commitment, yeah. it's like it's a marriage for uh, you know at least <laughs> a few years, and yes. so yeah, I really have to know like this is something that I'm going to be wanting to find out about and you know stay with for, for
0: years. Yeah, marriage I think is the perfect word because if you don't love that story. You're gonna at some point you're gonna get into an argument with that story. At some point in the yep. middle of that marriage, there's gonna be a late night fight, <laughs> and if you don't, you're just gonna break up. You're gonna say, "Ah, oh, this isn't right. worth it." But if you love it, you'll stay stay with it until that sucker is delivered out into the world. You really gotta love it. Uh, yep. Well, okay. So now I have to talk to you about this. So uh, I interviewed you for the Mirrored World. That was a novel, and so there it was. It was the Madonnas of Leningrad, the Mirrored World, Confessions of a Falling Woman. Did that come after the Mirrored World?
1: No. Or it, between Confessions of a Falling Woman was a short story collection that was actually the first book I wrote, but it was oh, okay. the Harper right. Collins published it after Madonnas of Leningrad because it was a short story collection, so they gotcha. wanted to gotcha. bring out the novel first.
0: Gotcha. And so, okay, so the last book you wrote was the one that uh, w- w- that I talked to you about, with the Mirrored World. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you wrote Short Story Collection, Madonna's in Leningrad, Mirrored World, and then, now, A Departure. A Departure. Yes. What happened? So I should tell our listeners. Well, you tell our listeners, this is not a novel. Tell them what what you've written here.
1: No, it's it's a social biography, and it's really kind of an odd duck. Um, It is the story of three people who... um, Knew each other as children in pre-war Europe, uh, pre-World War II Europe, and were separated by the war, and and each of them had their independent uh, adventures and traumas during the war, and then they met up again after the war, and they formed a polygamous marriage, and the main character (laughs) is, is Jan Yours and he was... Uh, this Flemish-American artist and adventurer, he ran off with the gypsies when he was 12 years old. He ended yeah. up, when war broke out, fighting in the resistance alongside the Roma and was captured by the Nazis repeatedly and, and tortured and sentenced to death. And So he has this very, very dramatic story. The, the two women, Marion and Annabert, um, this is the first time their stories have been told. And so oh. Jan yeah, Jan went on and he wrote a couple of memoirs. The Gypsies is kind of a cult classic. People know of him through that book. Right. And they and he was the one that was always giving the interviews and he was out in the public eye. The three right. of them he designed, he's an artist. He designed tapestries, and Marion and Annabert wove them, these enormous, magnificent tapestries. And so he would be giving interviews, and they would be just sitting there at the loom
0: weaving away. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: uh, Don't you know, pay he no never, mind. He never said any. Hmm?
0: Pay no mind to them, they're just weaving.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> and he was such a charismatic character. Yeah. uh but you know they kept he kept uh, very nobody knew about his personal relationships I mean there was this right. sort of odd configuration this this family unit, but he was very good at sort of three him you know uh Monty where nobody quite knew <laughs> what what the real situation was. I actually talked to people that were were good friends during the 50s and 60s and 70s, and when I asked them, so what was your understanding of the family relationships, I got so many different answers I can't begin to tell you. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, so he this was really the from first his, time his his that youth. the
1: story has been
0: told. Wow. Well, okay, so there's a lot I want to ask you about this. So, it's a non, so this is a work of nonfiction, but yep. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, because I always read things with sort of two Eyes. I have the reader's, my reader's eye. I just kind of want to get lost in the story, which I would with this book. It's quite a good story, uh, and well told. Deborah, I might add. Thank but you. Also, I have my writer's my, you know, glasses on, and I keep thinking, oh, look what she's doing. Look how she's bringing this thing to life. Because it seems to me, you have like when you write narrative nonfiction, you've got to get all the facts down. Like you can't. Mm-hmm. When I write personal, you can't essay, make things up. I can I can kind of drift from the truth, whatever. It's my story. I'll I'll, I'll do with it what I want. You know, uh, not that I don't make stuff up, but I don't I can't remember. I don't care. But you can't do that. You've got to no. stick to the facts, right? Right. But you got to tell a story. You've got to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that is that's. And I was I was really admiring how you wove in narrative details and a narrative sense while also presenting all the facts. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because it seems like a real challenge to me.
1: Well, the first time – I mean, this is my first long-form nonfiction. So I was really, you know, diving into the deep end of the pool without ever ever having done it before. And And my first draft was closer to a traditional scholarly nonfiction biography. And All right. I got done with it, and, I, you know, I have, I have friends that read what I've written. And I realized, or came to realize, you know, I've got this rip-roaring epic story, and I'm letting, uh, the, I'm letting the, the history of it get in the way of that. And, and part of what happened in the early draft was I, had, I loved their voices, Yon, yeah. I had his voice from his memoirs and from his interviews. Anna Burt, the first wife, she kept diaries her entire life, and she was really a fine writer. So I had, and I had access to all those diaries. So I had her voice. Marion, who's the one surviving person here, we did over a hundred hours of interviews. So wow. I had her voice. Yeah, that's how I got all that detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> and i loved their voices and so in the in the first draft i had just i kept splicing in their telling of the story but right. what was happening was it's like it's like putting a freeze frame on on a film and having somebody comment on it and right so it was it wasn't moving as as quickly you know you didn't just Dive deep into the story and go. It, you just kept being pulled back up by their commentary on the story. So with much pain, I let go of almost all of that, and I just tried to make it more like fiction. and you know try yeah. to find that sort of middle ground where you're doing you know where you're concentrating on narrative drive, uh, and, it, and, and, and at the same time making it as scenic as possible as you can. With right. the limitations of nonfiction, you know, I can't well, just make up.
0: No, I know. <laughs> How
1: frustrating! I know it was but very tempting. I mean, you know.
0: I'm uh, sure.
1: <laughs> but no, I. Because I'm, I mean, you've been I'm, writing I'm historical about, fiction, I'm right?
0: Hmm? Well, well, you have to be. Well, I say if you've been writing historical fiction, you're used to, to, to drifting between these facts that you're so interested in and the research that you're so interested in and then letting your imagination come in and just augment and, you know, go where it wants to go to
1: and right, invent and right. bring
0: characters in. And so you're used to blending fact and fiction. You know, you've got to. That's yeah, what, you know, that's this, what the,
1: this wasn't as big a leap as you might think just because – Yeah the historical fiction I've done was so rooted in history, in real in the Madonnas of Leningrad it was set during the, the Siege of Leningrad and there's a lot of history there. Almost everything yeah. that happens in the novel actually happens. The part I invented was the characters. And then right. with Mirrored World you know, there's less that was known. This was eighteenth century but and it was based on, on the hagiography of a of a saint. So there was, right. I was less constrained by what actually happened because really nobody right. knows. But you right. still have to do a lot of research for the period and all of the, the you know, everything going around that. So it wasn't as, as big a leap as, as you might think. But there was yeah. that thing of, you know, when you, when you have a mystery and, and you, you can't find the answer to it, you don't just get to make it up.
0: No you don't. No you don't. No. You gotta no. You gotta trust that life is interesting, all on its own.
1: Right. <laughs> and their their our, life is so interesting to me. I oh was Oh my just god. So uh, fascinated. <laughs> I actually had a friend of mine, uh this uh guy in, in Miami that owns uh a chain of independent bookstores. He came to me one day and he said, I have your next book, Deborah. And oh, he, you know, I was you gonna know, ask you I,
0: this, yeah, this is how it well, came? You know,
1: writers hear that a lot. I'm sure you've yeah, heard yeah,
0: that. Yeah. shut up. Write your own book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's never true, right?
0: <laughs> right. Um,
1: but Mitchell, Mitchell, I had to listen to him. You know, he's right. He, he knows his way around. He's a you know he's a, a major bookstore book book person, and he started right. telling me this crazy story about this guy who was, you know, fighting in the resistance and ran off with the gypsies and through a series of circumstances after the war, uh, you know, through a series of, like, complications, he ends up in a polygamous marriage kind of by accident. Right. And I was fascinated. I found out much later that he had conflated the Yours story with, a, with an Isaac Beshe, singer novel he'd read. Oh. So it wasn't actually what <laughs> happened. <laughs> but it was, a, it was close enough to what happened. And
0: his wow. sister
1: is a documentary filmmaker, Susan Kaplan, and she had done a film on polygamy, and she had ah. met the Yours family in connection with researching for that film. And so ah. she offered to kind of be the go- the matchmaker and, and introduced us. And so that's how I came to the story.
0: Um, okay. But see, here's, yeah. here's the thing about that, is that if it were me, if it were I... I, I, I said, well, I can't do this. I'm a novelist. This ain't for me.
1: Yeah.
0: I write novels. I don't write, you know, social biographies. Did you go through any of that, or was it very easy to say, okay, I guess I'm going to write nonfiction now? Because I would have I, trouble I with think,
1: that. I don't, I don't remember if there was ever a moment at the beginning when I thought about making this a novel. There were people that later suggested it should be a novel, including yeah. some Your major – well, a, not my a, not my agent so much, but oh. um, some of the some of the publishers that I talked to. Yeah. Uh, I had a long conversation with one of the biggest names in, in New York publishing, and he spent a couple of hours trying to convince me that I should rewrite it as a novel, um, uh. because it would be easier to market. This this was of a course. hard one to market yeah.
0: because it doesn't really yeah.
1: fit into it doesn't fit into any of the boxes that they yes. that they like to have. I um, but I just I, it, very early on, I realized I just couldn't make it a novel, and it's, it, it's because I knew too much. You know with, with historical oh. fiction you have you know you have the, the, histo- the history part, but there needs to be a, a large gray area of what we don't know, a place right. where the novelist can come in and invent. And right. here, I had access to all of the archives, which is huge. I mean, it's like 6,000 pages of letters and 30 years' worth of diaries and books and photographs. and I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I had more material than I knew what to do with. And I had a living person to to answer all my questions. And I just found, you know what, I really can't – maybe somebody else could. I just couldn't – I didn't feel like I could invent, you know. Right. Um, well and what they did I, was so outrageous i i my imagination is beggared by what actually happened
0: right well i mean it's really readable i got to say you brought your novelist's hand to it and it it helped it was really such a, it just reads like it reads in many ways like a novel so uh
1: oh yeah so well done. that was what i was going for
0: well you did it, it was really just readable from page one um all right, so I don't ever ask this question, but I'm kind of curious about it. Uh, where is Deborah in this book? I'm not saying you aren't, but I know that you know. When I write something, there's a reason I'm writing it. You know, sometimes because mm-hmm. I write personal essays or I write about my own life a lot, so it's very obvious. But even when I was writing fiction, I knew there was something about my own life that was being explored. Did do, did do, do, mm-hmm. does that? Do you feel the crossover? I mean, I don't know if you're considering polygamy, but but I mean, there must have been something <laughs> in this. <laughs> i to tell you a little
1: story. I would go up to New York. I live in Miami. Uh I would fly up to New York occasionally to interview Marion. And, you know, we eventually went to Skype because I said, I can't afford this. You know, keep coming up to New York every time you have something (laughs) you want to tell me. But um, I told her, listen, I'm coming up for, you know, I'm making a trip. I'm coming up on these dates. I'm going to be there for four days. And she wanted me to stay longer.
0: And I said, well, you know,
1: I really can't because... My husband is very happy on his own for about four days, but that's the limit. You know, after that, he's right. not a happy camper. And she said, oh, well, you need a second wife.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, oh, it's
0: good for everybody. <laughs> yeah, oh you know, God. and that's I wrote so that. I laughed,
1: and I wrote that down, and I was uh-huh. sitting in LaGuardia getting ready to fly home, and I was looking over my notes, and I thought, you know, that would, that would solve some problems. I mean, it would probably create some, too, but... <laughs> Oh my God! How complicated! it was the first well, time I had thought about their situation as being like, huh? You know, that might not that might not be such a crazy idea. Oh, I haven't God, gone one there. One is
0: enough. Uh, one, one spouse. <laughs> I, is I know. Well,
1: that's the other side of it. Is you know, a marriage <laughs> with two people is so complicated, and three is well. You read the book. It's even more complicated.
0: Of course. Um, I, well, but y- yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. but where are you in – this is what I'm curious about, because what is it – why this book now for you, other than that you're interested? I know that. You've always got to be interested, but you know, you're know you not just someone crank it. not just, but you don't write just a series of suspense novels where it's the next one, the next one, oh, the next one. I wish. A different no, I don't.
1: They, <laughs> I'm very right? slow, and, and like I say, I, it has to be something that really grips me, and I never know – I don't usually know why at the beginning. I only yeah. know in retrospect – and, in retrospect, I can look back at my four books and I can see how they're related and yeah. you know- w- one of them is the art um yeah this is a book about being an artist and and it's and it's a portrayal of of the the joys and difficulties of that whether you're whether your art is is um narrative or figurative or dance or whatever, uh, it's not easy to be an artist. And there's so many misconceptions out in the world about what that means. Like, Jan Yours is not a household name. Uh, nobody's, no, nobody's heard of this guy. And yet, right. in his time, he did well. You know, he, right. he was one of the success stories. But the way yep. that the outside world measures success and the way the artist measures success are not the same thing.
0: No, um, no, you
1: know, if you can, if you can make your living as an artist, my God, you know, I know that's rare.
0: I know. <laughs> Take your hat off. <laughs> right.
1: It's, so you know it's it's that was part of it. Was it was a story about about artists, and um, it was also I don't know why this is. I'll have to, you know if I had a shrink, we would certainly spend time talking about this. But yeah, one of the one of the themes that I'm always coming back to is. What does it take to survive under you know under extraordinary
0: yeah, circumstances
1: yeah, and, yeah. and great difficulty? What is it that we need to survive? And right. so I so I come back to war stories because they are stories of people being thrown into extreme situ- situations of, of trauma and desperation, and that's the story right. here as well. It was also yeah. in Madonnas of Leningrad. It had that same combination yeah. of art. Because art is one of my answers. Art is one of the things I need to survive.
0: Yeah, art it's a funny thing and, cause and the, love. because the muse, she doesn't care about your pocketbook or your uh, what you look like in the mirror. She just wants to make stuff. In a way, she doesn't mm-hmm. even care. You know, she has such a different relationship to your life than you know, or at least mine does than than I do to my life where I worry about all this. Stuff. Oh, I, know. I feel like the muse she doesn't care one whit for all that.
1: I know. You know, and it's <laughs> I mean, this was this was such a, a folly, this book. I'm it's just it makes no economic sense to have spent <laughs> as much time and money as I did writing it. But I love it. I st- even even Good all of the you. pain it's caused me to get it out in the world, um I still love this book. I and, I'm, and I don't regret. I had so much fun writing it, and I don't well, think very many people get the, the luxury of being able to spend their days doing something they love.
0: Well, more should. The world would be a the world would be a, a very peaceful place if everybody got up every day and just did what they loved. There would be no mm, war. Mm-hmm. I don't mean. And I really. I'm not joking. I think that if that's no, all there was. It would just, we would all, it would be paradise on earth, but most people do not. It's absolutely true. Uh, and here's something I think, not only that, you ever heard the expression, keep up, you got you to get out of your comfort zone?
1: Mm-hmm. I actually
0: think the correct phrase should be, you have to keep up with your comfort zone. I think you need to keep keeping up with the growth that is always happening and you will be uncomfortable unless you keep up with it. So it's not sure. just to be happy. You have to keep up with your own happiness because, you know, you've got to write the next book you want to write, which can't be the last book you wrote, you know. Well, I
1: have to um, tell you, I ordered your book today. <laughs> oh, I looked at it good. and I went, oh, which one, I need writing? to read this. Yes. Because it's, it's a struggle, you know. People might think, yeah. oh, well, you've published these books and they've done, you know, relatively well. But it's always it's just, it continues to be a struggle for me to have. All right, I'm
0: going to give you some words of comfort. Then I'm going to give you some words of comf- some comfort. I think I quote this in the book. But when I interviewed Alice Hoffman, do you know Alice Hoffman, or you know of Alice? I, I Hoffman? don't know
1: her personally, but I certainly know her work.
0: I loved. I I'd not heard of her until I until I read uh, the Third Angel, and I just loved it. Oh God, I loved it. I don't know it. that. I couldn't one. wait to go talk to her. Well, she's written a lot of books. Well, this is the whole point. She's written yeah. probably 30 books now, whatever. You know, she's won all these awards, huh. and movies made, and all this stuff. So I just loved her, and she'd been on Oprah, and I was like, "Hey, let me ask you something." Because I just heard Meryl Streep being interviewed, and Meryl Streep had done The Hours, and Meryl Streep said in the interview, "I can't believe people still want me in their movies." Right? This is Meryl uh-huh. Streep. And so I said to Alice Hoffman, who "I thought of on all her fabulous career. I thought, Alice, does that make any sense to you?" And she said to me, "Absolutely." She said, every time I sit down to write a book, I feel like I don't know how to write a book. And every mm-hmm. time I get in the middle, yep. I think this will never work out. So you see, yep. we're all in yep. this boat. We're all in this boat. Well, that is very nice of you that you bought the book. That's awesome. And I wanted – and I was just oh, getting was ready to tell listeners I'm, they should I'm, run I'm out and buy to it, it Tapestry. It's such a good read. It is such a good read. You're going to learn stuff, but oh, it, it really just it, – it reads great. So get out and buy it, people. <laughs> No, I mean it. I really enjoyed it. So. Uh, oh, I'm so glad. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope you like Fearless Writing. I, it's it's the book I needed to read, so I wrote it. Um, oh, that's great. Well, yeah, as always, it's it. great talking to you, Deborah. I'm not done with you yet, though. Uh, before I ask you my final question, so are you doing any kind of book tour-y kind of thing? Are you going to be talking to the – To your adoring fans. Yeah,
1: in fact, I'm going to be coming out to Seattle in uh, July and doing I think four four different events there. Wow! um, Wow! Okay. At the Issaquah Public Library and the Renton Public Library and Bainbridge at Eagle Harbor and Queen Anne Books. I I decided since traffic is so awful in Seattle, I would do like four points (laughs) so nobody had to travel (laughs) too far. You know.
0: I'm yeah. going to do an added plug for you. So listen, most, a lot of my listeners, well, I don't know. I, I know they're all over the world, but there are many here in the Seattle area. Uh, so she's going to be here in July. Check it out. But Deborah is not just a writer. In a former life, she was an actress. And the reason I'm telling you that is sometimes book events are nice, and sometimes they're kind of boring. It won't be with Deborah. She can hold a crowd. So you can look forward to not just learning some interesting stuff, but seeing a dynamic performer. Yes, of course. Oh, and you know what? Like this that.
1: time, because it's nonfiction, I am yeah. doing slides with it. I
0: was because wondering. Because I've got
1: all yeah. these amazing images that uh, I wasn't able to put in the book, or at least not in color. Right. And the yours oh, art is just phenomenal. So I'm had, had, I had, i not at all afraid of public speaking, but I had a little nerves the first time I did this, because I am afraid yeah. of audiovisual stuff.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, but, Technology. It, but it went great. Oh, good, good. Oh, so you see, you have a dynamic speaker plus pictures. What could be better? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, show and tell. <laughs> what could be better? All right. Well, that's great. So they can learn about that on your website, com. Yeah, is that what it is? Is it deboradine.com? Yeah, that is it. Okay, and it'll be all be out there. Yes, events. There it is. Okay, good. All right. Now I asked you this question before, but what I found is sometimes the answer changes. It's such a fascinating question because we change. So. My last question is, finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
1: I don't remember what I answered before.
0: Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> what has uh, it taught you now? It, uh,
1: it's taught me patience. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's taught me to just live with something. and I haven't I, – I, I should say – it's trying to teach me patience. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm there yet.
0: <laughs> well, hey, it's required. you know what it is? It's a practice. And, yeah. and, and, and I, so as a parent, and I had some difficult boys, I realized I, it is impossible to be too patient. That,
1: that uh-huh. there's
0: an, always, like an, like an onion, there's like another layer of patience I can get to. and So you're more patient today than you were yesterday. You're just going to get more and more patient. How's that? I fair? am
1: getting more and more patient. I'm getting, yeah. you know, I mean, I think just getting older helps. Uh I hope Listen, there's not that many advantages of getting older, so you might as well celebrate the ones that
0: are there. And R- that's now, one wait. Of them. I'm not willing to let you go yet because I, will, I was just having a conversation with my mother-in-law, my almost 80-year-old mother-in-law, uh, on Sunday, and I said, you know what? I wouldn't go back a single day because I will not give up. One stitch that I've learned, I can't do it. Oh, that's true. So, yes. No. That's you know, true. I can't. I won't do it. I like what I've learned too much. So
1: so. so, so, you and me, and I don't know how many other people. It's like it's such a youth obsessed culture, and I know. To, but you know, I have to say, the most interesting people I know, they're all over
0: eighty. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Almost all of them. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good. Well, Almost you good. know, I so have five this, more interesting things to look forward to in my life. They yeah,
1: yeah. well, they've got, you know, I mean, I've written two books that are set in World War II, partly because they have the best stories
0: in oh, World that's, War II. Well, there were some good ones, yeah, Yeah. For
1: sure. And, and so well, Marion, who I was featured in the book, she's 92 now, and she's just, she is so, going. she is so sharp, and she still has, she has more energy than I do, Uh wow. still. Yeah. When wow. we were doing this interviewing I would just I would be ready to get off You'd the phone and collapse and, and she wanted to wow. keep going. So you know it and I have I take I practice yoga and my, my mapmate, the woman that I'm always next to every every week, is eighty. She can do everything <sighs> I can do and, and much more. Oh, so awesome. I have good oh, models.
0: Good. It's not over for us yet. It's not it's over not for yet. us yet. <laughs> we still have stuff to do. Deborah, it's been great talking to you. Uh, oh, it's so maybe good. To we'll talk run to run in into each other in July. That would be awesome. Yes. But oh, do come. good luck with the book
1: and the next Thank one. Thank
0: you. Whatever that's going to be.
1: Not talking about it yet, but. Good.
0: You no, know, yeah. oh, smart woman. Smart woman. <laughs> All right, Deborah, take it easy. Thank you. You too. Uh, see you. Oh, oh, I cut her off. I'm sorry, Deborah. Hopefully, I'll see you in July. Uh, patience, people not my strength no it's not but I've learned a lot just like Deborah, I've learned a lot about it from writing Uh, next week uh, I will be back again talking to a woman named Natalie Singer about I believe she's written a memoir I don't know it doesn't matter we'll find out then until then go do something you love